This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? Let's do this. Another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily is live here on the Winnipeg Sports Talk channel. Great to have you with us. Everyone listening on podcast, hope you had a great weekend and welcome to everyone hanging with us live on our YouTube channel. If you're in on the YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Just got over 4.9. The road to 5,000 is on. Hopefully you can get to that coming up and we'll have some great prizes. We'll do a big uh, giveaway for the channel once we get to that elusive 5K mark on YouTube. And for everyone listening on podcast, anytime you have the opportunity to go in and uh, give us a five-star rating and a little review, certainly appreciate that as well. Uh, Big thanks to all of our sponsors as we get things going for another week. Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group. Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Breezy Bend, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Assiniboia Downs, and Cool Bet Canada. We will get to some lines for Cool Bet a little bit later on. It is the Home Run Derby tonight, so we'll take a look at what we can bet on for the Derby. Should be a heck of a lot of fun. And, of course, live racing is back at Assiniboia Downs tonight, so we'll get to some picks for the track a little bit later on as well. Going to be a great show. Bomber training camp began on the weekend and our good friend Darren Bombing is going to pop by to fill us in on what he's seen from the first few days of camp. And we'll also talk NHL offseason and look ahead to the expansion draft and free agency with Post Media's Michael Trakos coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, let's get to it. Lots to uh, chip, uh, chop up after the weekend. Michael Remus, uh, the CTO, joins me as we welcome everyone into chat. Remo, how was your weekend and uh, how are you doing today as we... Uh, Fire it up for another week here on WST. Hey, everyone in chat. How are you doing? I'm uh, feeling great, Huss. Uh, nice to get some rain. It was uh, it was a real hot one. Uh, real hot. So uh, <laughs> it's like so hot that you can't even go outside, uh, which, I mean, you can do it in, in short bursts. And I'm not going to I'm not going to complain about the weather. I'm not going to complain. But uh, let's say I had a I actually got the Kit Kat blizzard on Saturday. because oh, it was that good. Yeah, the Kit Kat. Yeah, gave my son. Uh, he's two. His first, uh, his first DQ dipped cone as well. He was loving it. So, he oh got, man, yeah, it was what awesome. A, what a moment that is! What a moment that is! The lifelong love affair with ice cream begins with one dipped cone at DQ, and uh, the little guy got that one on the weekend. Um, there's so much to get to. Listen, the the Lightning are having their boat party today, and I guess we will certainly, and we'll talk about that coming up with Michael Trakos as well. But uh, did you see the fights on the weekend? Uh, I mean, UFC. Can you call that a fight? Was there was there a fight? I saw well, a guy, the entire yeah. card. The entire yeah. card was, um, you know, there were some there were some excellent fights and some entertaining fights on the card. But Conor McGregor could not look like more of a punk right now if he tried. And listen, I've always been a fan of McGregor. Um, he knows how to sell a fight. He's incredibly exciting to watch. That's why he's the biggest star in the history of the sport. But I'll tell you what, when you break your leg and you're sitting on your ass in the octagon, still shit-talking your opponent and his wife, um, listen, I think even the biggest Connor fans sort of turned away because it was it was a bad look. It was embarrassing for McGregor. And this is a guy that still has one win since Barack Obama was president. He's still a massive star, but you do wonder where he goes from here. And you know, never mind what happened in the octagon because Poirier was a favorite. He did go in and he did win. He killed him in the first round. 
I mean, to me, that broken leg just prevented McGregor from getting more embarrassed in the second round of the fight. Uh, but I got to tell you, I mean, my takeaway from it all, Reem, is um, the guy is, uh, a, a, you know, a no-class scumbag. <laughs> and I don't know how you can feel any other way after you heard what he was saying after the fight and still today with his latest announcement that he'll be back in six weeks and that was an illegitimate victory. Give me a break. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I mean, as much as he wants to make it like WWE style with these promos, I mean, you do actually have to fight and actually have to show up. And, you know, when you say... I'm going to take it out, take my opponent out on a stretcher, and you're the one getting taken out on a stretcher. I don't think it can look uh, worse for you. And he's just key. He doesn't shut up. So I've never been a fan of him. Uh, I know people love him. I've, I've never got on the Connor train, although I did get suckered into paying for that pay-per-view with Floyd Mayweather which was a complete joke and a regrettable, a very regrettable purchase. Although it was in the summer, there was nothing else going on. We had people over at the cottage to watch. It was a thing to do, but uh, he got, I mean, even before um, he broke his leg, he looked terrible. It looked like Poirier was going to take it to him. He was getting his ass kicked. And and by all accounts, Poirier, a great dude, um, you know, very nice guy. He had, uh, you know, a cancer patient that he's paying the bills for at ringside with him that he said he's the real fighter, um, all you know, has his hot sauce business. Sounds like a great guy, a guy you want to hang out with, a, a good role model. Um, McGregor, not like not a nice, not a nice guy. He sells the fight well, but he's kind of just looking. The more he keeps it going on, it's like you're the one that lost with the broken leg. So I, I don't know. Shut the hell up. Yeah. Get out of the octagon. The, I, I will say this. The Joe Rogan leaning up against the cage, sitting down with Connor interview as they put the air cast on him was one of the more bizarre interviews in the history of never mind MMA, just just post game interviews in sports. But listen, they know people want to hear from him and, you know, he never disappoints with having something to say. Um, just, I mean, the guy looked like a huge loser. And again, I've always enjoyed McGregor. I'm here for the nonsense around it, but after the fight, man, you know, get real. Um, and, yeah, and as I said, even the biggest Connor backers were uh, were not too big fans of it. Best part of the entire fight, though, had to be Tuavasa going up against, speaking of scumbags, that Greg Hardy. And, you know, on the lock shop on the show, I'd said, I'm not going to claim to be a UFC expert, but I will be betting on Tuavasa just so I can bet against Greg Hardy, one of the um, most reprehensible individuals in all of pro sports. And, um, Greg Hardy got KTFO'd, Reem, and Tuavasa was Bam Bam, I think they call him, ended up to me being really the star of the evening because not only did he put Greg Hardy to sleep, but then he jumped up onto the octagon and drank a beer out of a fan's shoe and then did two more shoe beers on his way out. Um, if you want to talk about a markability, a social media score, a guy that got people talking... Tuavasa, the man they call Bam Bam from New South Wales in Australia, I think was the real breakout star of Saturday night. Yeah, drinking a beer of a shoe. I don't think I've done that. Like, what kind of shoe was it? Like an Air Jordan or a dress shoe? I can't remember the first one. I can't remember what the first one was. But then when he was coming back down the walk, someone gave him a pretty nice high-end uh, Jordan. It looked like an <laughs> Air Force One. And he drank a beer out of that, but then he kind of did. And if you're watching on YouTube, he had that face and then he spit beer out. What? And then you saw as they opened up the screen, 
the idiots that were giving him the beer also poured a bunch of Dustin Poirier's hot sauce in it. Oh, so can you imagine crushing a beer with a bunch of hot sauce in it? God, that's churning my stomach just thinking about it. So he walked away. He had the bad taste in his mouth and then grabbed another beer and did another one in the shoe. I think just because he needed to get something into his mouth because it was so disgusting. The one that he just drank out of the air Jordan with the hot sauce in it. So that's. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, I mean, you drink random shoe beers like you never know what's going to be in them. But I think I've looked I've looked at hot sauce. It's available in Canada, so I may have to order some of the Poirier hot sauce just as you know, if, just to support him as he uh, like, the keeps getting chirped for this what yeah, Ill- illegitimate absolutely. victory. Hey, uh, got to give a shout out to Aaron Bronstetter because Aaron came on, and we always love talking to Aaron. But Aaron gave us some phenomenal picks for the UFC. And the one that I liked the most was that Gilbert Burns going up against Wonder Boy. I think when he was on the program, it was like plus 129. I put a little touch on it and then saw it was getting close to plus 140 before the fight and went back in. So that was very, very nice. And then, of course, we were on Poirier for the uh, for the win in the main event. And with Tua, I mean, I, I'd been on a bit of a, a cold streak. Well, there hadn't been a lot to bet on, really, with hockey and basketball being uh, so like getting into a little bit of baseball lately. But uh, it, you know, it pays to to talk to smart people. Aaron's certainly one of those smart people when it talks to you when we're talking MMA and UFC. So we appreciate him. Um, so yeah, UFC 246 was quite the event. Um, lots of bad blood coming out of it, and I'm sure they'll get ready to go. As far as McGregor goes, I mean, I don't even know whether they go back. He's going to try and get another Poirier fight. Why? I'm not sure. I think the most likely fight is the uh, is the third fight in the Date Diaz trilogy. And that I think everyone would probably still pony up for. And, you know, we'd forget the embarrassment of last night. Anyways, um, that was one of the big stories on the weekend. The other, of course, Remo, yesterday was the Euro final between England and Italy. And like many of the games we've seen in the uh, playoff round or the elimination round, it went to penalties. And I can tell you, living in Little Italy and in and around Corden, there is a big, big party for hours on the street last night. A lot of people happy, but man, heartbreak again for England. And the way that it went down was, um, uh, you know, I know those English fans have been through a lot, what, 66 years without their big title. It seemed like they had it last night. They were ahead in the penalty shootout and then three consecutive misses by the English players in the penalty shootout. Um Definitely a harsh way to go out for the fans who thought that it was coming home, as they say. Yeah, I mean, I saw comparisons uh, that England is like the Toronto Maple Leafs of soccer. They have this massive fan base, you know, very popular, and they haven't won anything since the 60s. And to lose it in that fashion where, you know, you get up in penalties <laughs> and uh, you, you miss three in a row, that's a tough one to take. And I know some England fans uh, took it pretty poorly. And I think we all need to be reminded that uh, this is just a game. And, you know, if you lose, you don't need to go and beat anyone up or, or anything. I think that needs it's amazing that that needs to be said. Uh, Huss. But one thing I, you know, from I'm, gonna be honest, I'm a bit of a casual soccer watcher and following this tournament, it seems to me like every single big game has gone to penalties. And like, is this, is this really the best way? Does it need to be examined? Um, you know, you play this whole game and then it seems like every game is tied and then you just, you just, all right, yeah, we're just going to do penalty kicks. I don't know. It seems, it seems like not the best way. I don't have a better way. So, I mean, that's a great complainer. Yeah, this sucks. And then don't offer a solution, (laughs) but it seems like to decide these big championships on, 
where game after game is going to penalties. Not ideal. And then again, I'm a casual soccer watcher. Maybe I, I have no clue about anything. It's entirely possible. No, I mean, I get it. And, and I mean, I think even the purists uh, of the game would love it to not go to penalties. I mean, I think ideally, you know, you have it determined and finished up on the field and you, you get a winner that way. But the nature of soccer um, is that, you know, you really can't count on you know, I mean, there's not really a way, I think, you know, we've heard people, and again, some of these are sort of harebrained ideas, but, you know, put less players on the field, almost like he did back in minor hockey. <laughs> Remember those tournaments where you go to four and then three and then two, you know, to, to, to get a winner. I just don't really think that there's another alternative. And, you know, it's been a part of the game forever. I think that it will continue to be for it. And, to be honest, Reem, that is why you need to have players at that level that are ready for the bright lights and the pressure of taking those free kicks. And the Italian goaltender ended up getting the player of the tournament. And to be honest, I think he really deserved it. He was great throughout the, the tourney. Um, and making those three saves in a row uh, when they needed them was really the difference between being champions and uh, watching England celebrate. So, uh, it, listen, it wasn't the great way to do it, but I got to tell you, when it comes to drama... There really is nothing like it. I mean, imagine, and I know we would never really think about this, but like, imagine if you had a Stanley Cup Game Seven determined in a shootout. That's basically what happened last night in the uh, in the Euro twenty twenty. Yeah, I agree. That would that would be uh, insane. Uh, and I remember we've you know we've had big um, you know Olympic games or you know World Juniors with shootouts, and I mean everyone remembers Jonathan Tave scoring what like three or four times. Going head to head with Peter Mueller in the World Juniors. I mean, that's one of the most memorable things. But in the ending, in the end, it is like a one v one skills competition. It's a great decide. moment. In, that's a great moment in Canadian uh, hockey history, and we see it over and over. Mm-hmm. Something tells me that in the U.S. broadcast, they're not waxing poetic about Peter Mueller as much as yeah. we are Jonathan well, Taves. I mean, I'll do it's it. all how you remember, and the outcome has a big part in that. Yeah, well, I remember the 98 uh, Nagano shootout with Canada versus Czech Republic and Canada and uh, Hasek standing on his head and you know Canada not uh, picking Gretzky. But no one really knew what the shootout was in 1998. Uh, it was like a foreign, uh, foreign thing. I think uh, you know. I'd like to think that they practice it more. Although we kind of hear that they don't practice it that often. But I mean, it's a thing. You got to be ready for it. And uh, clearly, uh, Italy was on the way to the Euro Cup. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, anyways, congratulations to the Italians. Saw many of my uh, Italian friends out on the street last night, uh, whooping it up. And obviously, for England, I mean, it was a pretty incredible run. Um, Really sucks for the English fans the way that it ended, but that is uh, that's the nature of international soccer. And good thing you won't have to wait that long to get to Qatar, and maybe you can bring it home then in the World Cup. Um, so that uh, one other soccer note before we get to uh, Michael Traco's coming up in a couple minutes. Valor FC is now four and one on the season, another big win yesterday, and if you have not seen this already, folks, um, go to the Valor Twitter feed or go to mine. I retweeted it a couple times. Uh, number nine, I think Austin Ricci on Valor scored a goal yesterday that will, without a doubt, be one of the goals of the year in the entire Canadian Premier League. I mean, an absolutely perfect strike from well outside the box, curling in, hitting the post and going in. 
It ended up being the difference between a draw. It was the winning goal. And in that crazy heat, Remo, an absolute screener into the, the screamer into the top of the net keeps things going for the local lads who have only dropped one of their first five matches and sit a top of the table in the CPL. Yeah, I know Valor's um, had some you know tough times getting uh, settled in here, but uh, they're off to a great start. I had fans in the building, uh, you know, Sunday, and you were there last Wednesday. And um, sorry, I'm getting a bit distracted here. We do have a trade to announce. Oh, uh, we have we, a trade to announce. Yeah. Breaking news on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Who yeah. broke it? Who is the who is the trade breaker? Uh, I haven't. Who's like who's hashtag first? <laughs> yeah, hashtag first. I mean, and I go. scrolled down. The first one I saw was Frank Cervalli, but I'm sure Dreger. All right, we'll give it to Frank. Frank's know, our guy. Love it. I know Dreger and uh, Elliot Friedman were also tweeting. So. I don't know who wins. The, I'm, not, I'm not willing to give a winner to the race, but he says pending trade call. Sounds like Hawks Duncan Keith will indeed be heading to Oilers in exchange for D. Caleb Jones and a mid-round pick. Third or fourth round. Oh, uh, What's the reaction at Edmonton going to be for this one? Uh, I don't know. I thought Caleb Jones uh, showed some promise and they get a pick. Um, you know, Keith making more salary, declining, older player. Um, obviously veteran, cup experience. Um, I don't know if this is like the impact D though. I think you look at his advanced numbers test and they've kind of fallen off. So I don't, and I, isn't Caleb Jones still on a entry deal? I'm not, I don't know if this is the play. Here's the, here's the thing about this deal. Um, and as far as how it will be received, it's important not to get too tied up in what you see and hear on Twitter, because I think we have now realized that the reactions of people on Twitter is very different than average oh, hockey fans. Yes. Like if you don't have a great chart on Twitter, I mean, don't even bring up the conversation because it's going to be very, very one-sided. And listen, I've got a lot of time for analytics. I mean, I think, you know, over a large period of time seasons, you know, it's pretty darn accurate as to what, players are doing for their team but there are a lot of things that go into that and with a player like Duncan Keith there are a lot of reasons that the Ken Holland wants Duncan Keith on that club beyond um, really even things on the ice I mean you know that veteran presence having the experience working with some of the younger players so I, I, I'm not out on Duncan Keith I don't think this is going to be an absolute disaster for the Edmonton Oilers but uh, it will be interested to get the entire details to see if there's any salary being uh, maintained, um, as well as what this means for Ken Holland's uh, offseason going forward. I um, you know, talking with Dusty out in uh, Toronto and uh, listening to Low Tide a little earlier. I mean, this really is Ken Holland's opportunity. Lots of cap room making this move today. We'll see what's left afterward. They do have to sign Darnell Nurse. Um, but for the first time in a few years, the Edmonton Oilers can be players in this offseason. It'll be very interesting. We'll get Michael Traco's reaction on that coming up in just a second. Uh, before we do that, big shout out to our friends at Royal Sports. Was was in there on the weekend. Uh, yes, there was a lot of Italy jerseys moving. There was a lot of England jerseys moving. But in addition, we saw so many people picking up disc golf equipment, bikes, fitness. I mean, it really is the superstore for all things summer. Now, if you want to pick up merchandise, whether whatever league it is, there is simply nowhere in the city, maybe in the country, that comes close to the selection of Royal Sports. But as I said, there's so much more in that. If you're looking for a bike, if you're looking to get outside, maybe take, you know, spend a little more time getting active, you can take care of everything with one stop over at Royal Sports, 650 Rally and EK and 750 Pemina Highway. 
with the crate. Uh, we were the Canadian hotspot yesterday, I saw, 34.2. Needless to say, that is absolutely DQ weather. If you haven't been by and seen our friends Nick and Nikki at any of their four DQs, you should definitely do that. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, the DQ at Polo Park, and, of course, the DQ on St. Anne's. Had a, a cake for an event on the weekend that was an absolutely huge hit. And uh, as Remus told you, he uh, made his debut had his first Kit Kat Blizzard on the weekend. So pop by any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs and tell them your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. And uh, I do want to give a shout out to our friend Crystal, who used to take such good care of us, the Boston Pizza City Place, during all our pregame shows for the Jets. Popped in there last night, watched a bit of the NBA Finals, had some wings and a pizza. It was great to be back. Of course, the patios are open at all the local BPs, but you can also get inside into the lounges. You can do that. Check out the new summer uh, menu as well, including the honey dill fried chicken sandwich and the burger Italiano available at all local Boston pizzas. All right, let's get ready for this hockey offseason. And uh, considering we just had a trade, we can get right to this. We welcome in Post Media's Michael Trakos to the program. Michael, what's going on? Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, at least we have something to talk about today. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we'll get into the lightning and into the offseason, but uh, you know, we're just hearing the reports that uh, Duncan Keith is, in fact, going to the Edmonton Oilers. Um, Frank reporting, it looks like it's Caleb Jones and a mid-round pick, third or fourth. Haven't heard anything about salary. This has been, you know, I've lots of friends in Edmonton do some work with Dustin Nielsen. I've been following this story, and it's incredible how, what a hot topic this has been. Some people think, yeah, absolutely, we'd love to have a guy with the pedigree of Duncan Keith on our blue line. And others say, absolutely no way, this is a terrible idea. What do you make of the conversation around this Keith situation and the fact that the deal looks like it's done? I, I like this deal. Um, yeah, I get it. You're not getting Duncan Keith. uh the same guy that won multiple Stanley Cups with Chicago. That was a Norris Trophy winner. Uh, that was a Conn Smythe winner. Uh, but you're still getting a guy that, you know, can help out in multiple ways. And first off, he's going to help it on the ice. Uh, I don't think um, his play has fallen off to the point where he's not in your top six, especially when you're talking about the Oilers' defense. But more importantly, you've got a team that's drafted a ton of uh, high-end defensemen, whether it's uh, Philip Roberg, whether it's Evan Bouchard, I think Duncan Keith is going to help out tremendously in that regard, um, even with a guy like Ethan Bear, who saw a ton of minutes this year. Um, and really, you're giving up Caleb Jones and, what, a mid-round pick. Caleb Jones drafted in the same year as McDavid. I think he played 30-some-odd games this year. Fine, he's an NHLer, but are you going to miss Caleb Jones? Probably not. And as we saw with Montreal this year, Having veterans in the lineup, especially if you're a team that has Stanley Cup aspirations, helps out tremendously. Um, you see it with guys like Corey Perry, Eric Stahl, um, even with uh, a guy like Shea Weber. So, um, yeah, don't, don't worry about what Duncan Keith's play looks like compared to what it used to look like. He's still an NHLer, and I think he's going to be a great guy for these guys to lean on. You know, while we're uh, talking about Edmonton, I was just sort of leading in that, uh, you know, Ken Holland has some money to spend. Um, certainly, it's, I think, an attractive landing spot for players considering some of the talent they have at the top of the lineup. Well, what do you make of the way the Oilers' season ended being swept by the Winnipeg Jets and how different they may look going into next season because of the options that Ken Holland has going into these next few weeks? 
I didn't like how the season ended. I don't think if you're an Oilers fan, you had to, anyone was really happy with how it ended. It went over uh, well here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that being said, you know, I, Ken Holland's got a lot, a lot of moves to make. Uh, Duncan Keith is not going to be their final, um, you know, trade acquisition or free agent acquisition. Uh, I think this team seriously needs an upgrade on goaltending. Uh, if you're bringing Mike Smith back, uh, at his age, you know, you better bring back a guy that's half his age and can also share the net with him. Um, Defense-wise, I think they need some options. I would love, if you're an Oilers fan, I think you'd love for them to take a crack at whether it's Alex Kalorn or Philip Deneau and possibly free agency, someone like that. So, someone that can maybe take some of the harder minutes away from McDavid and Dreisaitl. Or, you know, if you're going to put Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the wing, someone that can play a a shutdown role uh, as your number three center. But um, yeah, I, I imagine that they've got a lot of heavy lifting to do. And if I'm Ken Holland, um, if you've got the two best players in the league or arguably the two best players in the league, it's up to you to really fill the roster around, uh, fill it around them so that they can, you know, have success in the playoffs, something that they haven't had yet. Uh, Michael, they're currently continuing the party in Tampa. Uh, back-to-back champs, the Lightning, are doing their boat parade today. Uh, many Bud Lights are being drank, apparently, as we've seen. Uh, Kucherov's got his new sponsorship deal. Um, I guess, first off, I'll ask you about just how good this team is and how we'll remember this squad. And uh, then, you know, kind of to what we just said, how much work Julian Brisebois is going to have to do to uh, be cap compliant when uh, we get to the opening day of next season. Yeah, honestly, I I could see them winning three cups in a row. Uh, I think of all the teams that had a chance to win three in a row, and Pittsburgh, you know, they were up there with them. Uh, I think the Lightning have the best chance just because their core hasn't really changed. Um, I I know they're going to probably have to lose maybe Tyler Johnson, uh, Blake Coleman. I I think uh, Barkley Goodrow is also free agent, if if I'm not mistaken. But uh, a number of players are coming off, even David Savard on the back end. But you know, Stamkos is back, Kucherov's back, Point's back, Vasilevsky's back, and Hedman's back. Right there, you've got a chance. And whenever you've got that core, um, I, I think you know, the fact that they're, they're going into the season, in my mind, uh, as the Stanley Cup favorites, um, regardless of what the cap situation looks like, regardless of what, uh, who might be coming off their third, fourth lines or their second or third pairing defense, um, this team is the real deal. So, yeah, I, I would put them up there with, you know, some of the best dynasties that we've seen in the NHL, whether it's those, you know, Oilers teams uh, from the 80s or the Islanders teams right before that, um, or most recently, like the Detroit Red Wings of the 90s and uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. So, yeah, uh, I, I love this team. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll be cap compliant, and they've got so many guys in the minors that, uh, really, should you know, they'd be in the NHL on any other team? Um, I think like Boris Kachuk is a hell of, had a hell of a season in the AHL this year. Was a, a Team Canada guy. He can't even get into this lineup. That's how uh, star-studded it is. So, yeah, they'll be fine. You know, I thought the same thing with Matthew Joseph, and you just saw yeah. what he does in the lineup. Like, mean, how many other teams are looking at a player like that? Going, my God, this guy's a black ace in the taxi squad for them. I mean, you know, you'd probably play, you know, absolutely in the top nine. Stamkos is interesting. I I have heard some speculation that he could potentially be moved. I mean, uh, I I believe he's got a no move. I mean, that would seem pretty drastic. I mean, is that just uh, 
off-season fodder with not much else to talk about? Or uh, do, do you think that's at all a possibility that they could move a player like that potentially in this offseason? Hey, if you take out Stamkos' salary, um, you know, that solves a lot of problems. But like you said, he's the captain. He's under contract. He's got a no-movement clause. And he loves it down there. Uh, I really can't see him leaving. Um, you know, why would you leave a team right now where, like I said, they're going into the season as the Stanley Cup favorites. Stamkos isn't the same Stamkos that he was when he was scoring 61 goals. He's not even a center anymore. That being said, like he's money on the power play. Um, I think he was still top five in playoff scoring this year. Uh, still had his name up there in the regular season scoring. So, yeah, um, I, I really think it's going to come down to just removing guys like Tyler Johnson, Alex Kalorn. But, yeah, if there's a team interested in St- Steven Stamkos, yeah, he's, you're still getting a good player. And it's really up to Steven, I think, at this time. Now, Michael, I've got to ask you, uh, what have you thought of the Tampa Bay Lightning's collective act after winning the Cup, uh, starting with the Kucherov interview afterwards? Now they're out wearing shirts that say $18 million <laughs> over the cap. I mean, uh, where where do you come in on all of this uh, seemingly trolling by the Stanley Cup champions to everybody else? Hey, you know what? More power to them. They took a ton of grief. Well, let's not forget, when they went out in the first round a couple years ago to Columbus, they heard about it every single where they went like i remember them came them coming into toronto in the beginning of the season it was all we were asking them i remember at the awards uh i think it was the same year vasilevsky won vezina kucherov won uh the heart and the whole time it wasn't like hey what a great season it was it was hey how did you um just lay the biggest egg in the first round so you know what they they took their lumps and now it's time for them to kind of laugh it off and you know the whole kucherov thing i almost and the the over the cap situation in their minds, they didn't do anything wrong and everyone else's minds. It looks totally fishy. Um, but you know what? Toronto did the same thing, uh, in regards to grabbing Nick Foligno, um, to make him cap compliant. Uh, I think it was Frederick Anderson that they just had, had on the IRL. No one complained about that. So, you know, it's, I get how it looks. Optics are optics, but, you know, let them have their fun. And it is fun. We're talking about hockey here. We're talking about entertainment. More power to them. You well, know, listen, now they just have to back it up, right? Yeah, I mean, they're playing the heel big time. I mean, like, the shirts, I think, are a little tacky, to be honest. I mean, like, whatever. But it's sort of, I was saying to Remus, this would be like, you know, say, uh, let's use a professional wrestling analogy. It's like guys win the tag team titles by other members of their faction interfering and then show up with a shirt with all the guys beating the hell out of everyone and the rep looking the other way. I mean, it is a heel move. But honestly, I'm here for it because, like, I'm just thinking about Tampa's reaction when they go to Montreal next year. I mean, some just general yeah. fans around the league. Um, and you know what? That's, I think, a good thing for the National Hockey League. Uh, it, there's You want people to have a strong opinion one way or the other. And I think a lot of people know that this is a great hockey team. And you know what? If they're rubbing a lot of people the wrong way, that's not going to be a bad thing when we drop the puck on next season. I love it. it. It reminds me of the whole bunch of jerks things with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, and you know what? I think every sports league needs a team to ha- kind of hate. And, you know, for forever in Canada, it's always uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. So now, you know, if you can hate on the Tampa Bay Lightning, if they've sort of become the city of Boston in the sense that they just keep winning championship after championship. Now they got Tom Brady as well. He keeps winning. It comes with the territory. I think every city would take what they've had and, you know, maybe some of the abuse that they have right now. It beats the alternative. And, you know, 
I'd love to, uh, you know, that first game in Montreal. Yeah. Count me down. I'm going down to that city. I want to see that firsthand. Let's be honest. Um, uh, Speaking of the Habs, pretty incredible run. You know, the three rounds that they won, the way they did it was, uh, it was a special run. They ran into a buzzsaw in the Stanley cup final. Um, But looking at, you know, that roster coming out of this season, I mean, there are a lot of unrestricted free agents, you know, some older like Perry and Stahl, some younger like Dano, who, you know, will be in demand despite not having big offensive numbers. What do you make of the job that Mark Bergevin has on his hands over the course of the next month and a bit? Of all the teams that are going into that Atlantic division, um, you know, I think Montreal could easily miss the playoffs. Um, are they better than Tampa? No. Are they better than Toronto, like regular season-wise? No. Um, I, I think Florida's ahead of them. I think Boston is ahead of them. Um, so they're, they're in a mix right now where they're going to be a wildcard team, in my mind, to make the playoffs in. When you look at what's uh, happening at the Metro uh, in that division, where you've got Pittsburgh, you've got Washington, you've got the Islanders, and the Rangers team that – Let's face it, they're going to be so motivated to make the playoffs this year. New coach, new GM. So they're going to, the Montreal Canadiens, right now I'm calling it, I think they missed the playoffs this year. And I think it's really going to be up to Mark Bergevin and a lot of those young guys to really take that kind of next step. But yeah, they've got their hands full. This was a magical run. And when we're talking about magical Cinderella type runs, we're not talking about, you know, doing it again and again. Usually it's one and done. And I could see that happening right now. Uh, Michael, well, uh, we've got you here. The big talk in Winnipeg has been, of course, about the blue line, um, you know, especially when Dylan DeMello went down in game one against Montreal, sort of exposed that they were putting together, had some guys maybe playing higher up. Um, your thoughts on Winnipeg going into the offseason and Kevin Sheldayoff's quest to upgrade the blue line here in the peg? You know, Winnipeg, such a weird team. Like on paper, I thought they were the best team in Canada. Um, or at least up there with Toronto. And really, I thought I'd give Winnipeg the edge just because of Connor Hellebuck. And as much as we criticized that defense throughout the year, really, the defense didn't let them down. Uh, it's not like they didn't get past the Oilers because of the defense. I think it was just, you know, their top guns, or sorry, um, they didn't get past the, the Canadians, sorry, uh, because of their defense. I just thought, you know, the top guns, um, Michelle Shifley went out and then no one else could score. Um, but really, um, you know, that, that Winnipeg team, I guess we've been saying it for years, they're primed to kind of take that next step. Really, the guy I'm looking at is the you know, guys down the center. Um, you're not worried about Shifley, but is Pierre-Luc Dubois able to take that next step and be a legit number two center? Uh, can he produce as one? Can he be as consistent as one? And I think that's the challenge for Paul Maurice is, finding the wingers that can really kind of make sure that he's um, consistent, you know, offensively, but also if he's going to be your sort of quote unquote two way center, can he take some growth in that regard too? Because we've seen flashes of it. Obviously we saw it against Toronto a couple years ago when he was part of the blue jackets, but have we seen it for a full season? We haven't seen that yet. So that's the big question mark in my mind, not so much the defense, but how good are they up the middle and can that really help them? You know, you bring up Dubois and, you know, you being out of this market, I'm interested in your perspective on that trade because um, it didn't work out for the Jets. It certainly didn't look like it worked out for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And you have such high end young star players moving forward. Um, Do you think this was just a matter of a difficult time being traded midseason in a weird year of these guys getting acclimatized? Because there's no doubt these are both top NHL players, but 
neither of them really seemed like they were very comfortable in their new homes last year, Michael. Yeah, you know what? The, the best guy out of that whole trade was uh, Jack Roslevic. <laughs> and, and who would have thought? Like uh, that, it almost seemed like it was just going to be a toss-in. But you're right. Uh, Line didn't look comfortable. Definitely under uh, Tortorella, didn't have the center to play with. And Dubois, for whatever reason, could never kind of get it going uh, offensively in a consistent manner. So um, yeah, I, I, right now I don't know who won the trade, who lost the trade. I think it was one of those ones where if you're a top end pick and a top prospect and you're getting traded at that age, well, you've got some warts in your game. And I think both players definitely had some um, things that they still have to shore up. Um, I still don't like the trade from Winnipeg's perspective, just because I, I always think like who got the best talent in the trade. And in my mind, I, I think Columbus still got the best player um, in line. A. I still think this guy is going to win a, uh, a Rocky Richard before he's done. He might even win multiple ones. Um, but really, it's just, you know, can Dubois play center good enough to not miss line A? Because, you know, if, if you're Winnipeg, you still got Ehlers, you still got Kyle Connor, you still got guys who can put, in the puck, uh, put the puck in the net on the wing. It's just um, how much better are you with Dubois at the center spot rather than having line A on the wing? And uh, I guess time will tell in that regard. Um, uh, what do you think happens this off season in Columbus? I mean, they have sort of, you know, they were competitive for a while. It seems they've really taken a step back. Torts is out of course. They've got a new head coach, uh, Pascal Vincent, former uh, Moose head coach is now on the, uh, on the, um, the coaching staff as an assistant. Um, but it, man, it seems like Jarmo Kekalainen's got a lot of work to do. And, you know, you wonder in his spot, is it more trying to make sure this team is competitive right now? Or does he have the rope, Michael, to sort of look long-term and big picture and maybe commit to some tough times for Columbus in the next season or two to try to really become a Stanley Cup contender down the road? Yeah, honestly, I have a feeling it's the latter. Um, there's a couple good drafts coming up um, next year's with... Uh, uh, Shane Wright and the year after with Connor Bedard, I think a lot of teams are already starting to get their ducks in a row and saying, you know what, if we can land one of those guys, um, that can make a huge difference. We're talking about franchise potential franchise players. Um, and when you look at, you know, Seth Jones is probably on his way out. It looks like um, keeping and re- retaining talent in Columbus is going to be a real difficult thing to, for them to keep going forward here. Um, I, I just think it's one of those years where don't even bother about looking at Columbus. I think they're going to be out of the playoffs and it's just going to be one of those rebuilding years for them. And a lot of teams are in that regard too. Well, and Seth Jones is an interesting, interesting case. I mean, such a talented young defenseman did not have a good year last year. Wow. Now, many people that, you know, only pay attention to analytics are completely out on Seth Jones. I have a feeling most of the NHL GMs still see a guy that can help teams win hockey games going forward. But what a difficult situation for Columbus to be in. I mean, with one year before unrestricted free agency, it doesn't look like he's going to sign long term. I know they're letting them talk to other people, but I I have a hard time imagining in this current climate with what's happened with the cap that Seth Jones is in a better situation to get traded and sign a long term deal right now than sort of playing out this season and seeing what happens on the open market next year. And That's not a great position to be in if you're a GM. Yeah, you know what? With, with you know with Seth Jones in Columbus, whether it's Jack Eichel in uh, Buffalo, there's a lot of teams now that are really kind of evaluating uh, their current roster and saying, you know what, we need some sort of shakeup. And you know what, there's a Seth Jones available. There's a Jack Eichel available. Maybe in Toronto, there there could be a William Nylander or a Mitch Marner available. I'm not saying that they are, but there seems to be that 
idea that you know superstars could be on the move more so than ever uh, right now and um, it, it really is interesting to kind of see where you know the dominoes are going to fall in, in that regard but yeah I'm kind of with you um, in, in the current climate with the cap no one seems to be getting the money that they think that they deserved or that they were going to get three years ago and I think that's probably par- uh, playing into that the other part is you know if you're NHL or in your mid-20s you're looking around saying you know what is my team going to be competitive in the next two years? And if not, am I better off maybe just uh, saying, you know what, move me to a team that I can maybe uh, win a cup with or at least maximize my value and, you know, get some money in the free agent market? Because, you know, does Seth Jones have a bad year because Columbus was just awful this year and no one wanted to play for Tortorella? Or did Seth or Columbus, were they bad because Seth Jones didn't have a good year? In Seth Jones' mind, he might be saying, you know what, you know, put me on a good team and you'll see me uh, compete for the Norris because that's where myself and a lot of people think this guy's game is at, is that hey, he's going to win a Norris before he's done. It's just, you know, is he going to do it in Columbus? It doesn't look like it. Michael Traco is a post media with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You mentioned Mitch Marner. I've got to ask you about the, and I know things. I feel like I'm going to regret saying his name. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I'm just interested. I mean, you followed that team very closely for a long time and covered them. I mean, it seemed like, when he didn't produce and they lost the way they did, everything that happened, all the contentious nature of the negotiation where he and his people really bent the Leafs over and squeezed every single dollar out is sort of, in some ways, coming back to light. How would you how would you characterize Mitch Marner's place within Leaf Nation right now with the fan base, not the organization, and assuming that he's on the Leafs next year, what does that do to the pressure on Mitch Marner through the regular season, which I think most people would agree he's fine in the regular season. It's all about the playoffs where he hasn't been producing. Yeah, it's it's a tough spot. And, you know, every hockey player in every market is going to face this. You know, they love you when you're making pennies on the dollar and you're overperforming for what you're getting paid. Once you get that big salary, it's almost like they're just looking for reasons to you know, tear you down. And, we're kind of seeing it this year with Zach Hyman where everyone's saying, wow, for, for what he's making, what great value. And, oh, yeah, you, basically he's making like a third of what Mitch Marner's making. Well, Zach Hyman's going to get paid this year, whether it's by Toronto or another team. And, you know, if he doesn't put 20 to 25 goals up, uh, the criticism is going to follow. So I think that's the challenge for Mitch Marner. The challenge is really if you're playing in Toronto right now, the regular season doesn't mean anything. It's just kind of get through there and try to – do what Montreal did, try to do what Tampa has done is uh, get over that hump. And until they get there, it's going to be a hell of a season for this uh, Toronto Maple Leafs because, you know, from day one to, you know, game 82, it's just going to be about, okay, well, what's going to be different this year in the playoffs? Like, I don't care. Fans don't care that Mitch Marner is going to finish in the top three or top five in scoring. All they're going to care about is, okay, playoffs started. What you can, what are you going to do now? And if, it's it's going to be that long kind of mental battle for this team all year long um, because, you know, it's been year after year after year of just not making it past that first round. And until they get past that home, you know, the questions are going to be there. Can they, uh, can they sign Hyman? And if they do to keep him, what are the other dominoes that will have to fall for Dubas? It, it, it's crazy to think how they can sign Hyman and, you know, you know, have a downgrade in net, whether it's losing Frederick Anderson to free agency or losing some depth on defense. Maybe it's Morgan Riley, who I think is going to be up in another year. Um, 
or even just some depth at the forward spot, uh, whether it's a guy like Alex Kerfoot or someone else. And, you know, fine, you don't mind missing Alex Kerfoot, but who replaces him? And that's the thing is when you Oilers are facing this too. Like when you've got so much money tied up in your stars, it really kind of ties your hands as to who you have in the rest of the roster. And we saw with Tampa, like, fine, Kucherov led this team offensively and so did Point in the playoffs, but don't tell me that Tampa's going to win without the contributions of Lake Coleman uh, or Barkley Goodrow or um, even Tyler Johnson and Yanni Gord. So you need your third-line guys, you need your fourth-line guys, and if you can't pay more than the minimum wage for those guys, you're not going to get value. And I think that's the challenge for Toronto is that there's so much pressure on the Marners and the Matthews to produce because they don't have many other options after that. And there's so much pressure on a guy like Jack Campbell going forward now, especially if you don't have the money to retain Frederick Anderson. So, yeah, um, I don't envy the position that Kyle Dubas is in. Uh, it is going to be a fascinating offseason compounded by the fact that we've got an expansion draft in less than two weeks. Michael, on the weekend, we will get the protected lists from the National Hockey League. I believe it's the 17th. Four days later is the expansion draft. How? What do you expect to see next week? Uh, will we see some deals happen before we get to Wednesday? Uh, will the deals happen afterwards? And I don't know if you have a thought on how Ron Francis is going to approach this. I mean, will there be a lot of stockpiling of just the best players and many of those players picked by Seattle end up on other teams by the time next season starts? Yeah, I don't think we're going to see the, the sort of trades that we saw with Vegas. I think so many GMs are wise to the fact that it just wasn't worth it. You know, like saying, okay, please don't take this guy, and here's a first-round pick, and here's a, a prospect uh, for not taking, you know, player A. I don't think that's going to happen this year. Um, what I will say is um, the stockpiling is going to be real. And we saw it with Vegas where uh, I think they took, something like 12 defensemen that year. It, yeah. it was it was like double what they needed or whatever they allowed to take. But, you know, we're, we're going to see, I think, the similar thing where, you know, if defense is uh, valued, they're going to take as many as they can and then possibly flip those defensemen to teams that are, you know, very light on the back end and make trades that way. But, yeah, it, as creative as you can be, I think Ron, Ron Francis is going to take that approach. But I also don't think that he's looking to follow the Vegas model in the sense that, they have to be competitive right out of the gates. For the same reason I said that Columbus and other teams are eyeing the next two drafts, I think Seattle's got to be looking the same way. And if you followed Ron Francis in uh, Carolina, you saw that this is a guy that's incredibly patient, wanted to build the right way, and you're seeing the fruits of that labor now with the Hurricanes. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle takes a page out of that book and says, you know what, Let, let's worry about what this team looks like five years from now, not what it looks like out of the gates. Uh, Michael, this has been so much fun having you on the program. Thanks so much. Just quickly on the way out, what was it like being back in a building, watching live hockey again? I knew you were there for the cup final. It had been a while, huh? It was amazing. And I'm still skeptical that there were only, what, 25 or 3,500 fans in that building. <laughs> Allegedly. It, was, it looked packed. It sounded packed. There weren't. It didn't sound like they were just piping noise, and it sounded real, and I loved it. And you don't realize what you have until you miss it, and it, it was one of those examples. And i got to say, the, the hot dogs, especially in Montreal Forum, or sorry, the Bell Center, uh, for anyone who hasn't had them, they're just amazing, and they live up to the hype.
that was a, it was a championship level meal for the media there when you get those uh, the show shan or shan shows up from the uh, from the bottom level. Hey, Michael, yeah. thanks so much for doing this. It's going to be a real interesting next few weeks in the National Hockey League. Hopefully, we can get together again sometime. But have a great summer. Enjoy it because puck drop's going to be here before we know it in a few months. All right, thanks, Mark. Thanks so much. There's Michael Trakos. You can read all his work on the uh, Post Media Chain covering the National Hockey League. Great to have Michael join the program. Always enjoy his company here on Winnipeg Sports Talk and really appreciate him doing that. Um, we've got some bomber talk to come up. Training camp underway. Before we do that, I want to give a shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one. Thinking about a new vehicle? Well, why not get an incredible deal on the car of your dreams with the help of the Not team? All makes and models, including the biggest selection of Tesla vehicles here in Winnipeg for many years. Uh, pop down to Waverly and McGilvery and see what is there. You can talk to the experts. And if you're in a vehicle right now on a lease or looking to upgrade, You've got an incredible consignment program that will help you get max value for your present car while you get into a new whip for you and the family. Not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery, not.ca. They'll also detail your vehicle, service your vehicle, whatever you need. The Not Gang has you covered. Um, I hope you all enjoyed the weekend. And I would imagine I saw a few tweets. There was many of these coming out. The uh, amazing Little Brown Jug Summer Loggers. Had a few of the uh, the summer lager, got into the Hefeweizen a bit, and of course the uh, the old the goat of the little brown jug, and really the local beers. I think to most people, the one and only nineteen nineteen. Now you can still get it on home delivery, simply easier than ever by going to littlebrownjug.ca. But now that we're opened up a little bit, maybe you're looking to get out, pop by the tap room on William Avenue. You can pick up all the little brown jug products there. Great merchandise. Uh, but sit out on their deck at a table with some friends, have a few little brown jugs and maybe a couple slices of pizza as well. It's all there, littlebrownjug.ca for home delivery or pop down and see them at the tap room on William Avenue. And of course, Breezy Bend Country Club. Big shout out to Corey and the gang over at Breezy. Um, there was some action. We always hit all of our golf uh, news on the program uh, we had Ben Lee win in the Scottish Open heading into the Open Championship. You had Lucas Glover win the John Deere. But big congratulations to Bobby Ool of Shiloh Country Club. She is the Diamond Athletic Women's Amateur Champion winning in a three-hole playoff Sunday at Niaqua. And I've got to give a shout-out to a golfing legend in Manitoba, Todd Fanning of Niaqua won the Diamond Athletic Men's Mid-Amateur Championship on his home course. Fan Manor chipped in on 17 and then hold a shot from the sand for another birdie on the 18th to shoot a one under par and finish atop the leaderboard. Four strokes better than Jordy Lutz of Elmhurst. So a uh, big congratulations to Bobby Ull and Todd Fanning. And a big shout-out to our friends at Breezy Bend for their great support. I hear the course is absolutely mint right now. And if you uh, didn't win our first contest with Little Brown Jug and Breezy Bend, we'll be firing up another one heading into the August long weekend. Um, you can find out more about Breezy Bend and maybe get you and the family on their waiting list for next year at breezybend.ca or give Corey Johnson a call. All right. It was so great to see the Bombers back on the field this weekend. Training camp is underway around the Canadian Football League. And our guy, Darren Bombing, joins us now on Winnipeg Sports Talk to uh, 
fill us in on the 99 players in Bombers camp. A busy, busy crew and a busy, uh, busy group of media for the first time in a while. And I imagine the sunscreen was in effect and uh, the fans were being used. Bombing, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk, pal. It's great to see you again. How was the weekend? Yeah, weekend was great. Great to be back on with you, Haas. I've uh, been watching and uh, yeah, I mean... Just trying to get amped up like a lot of the players on the field at Blue Bombers camp for these first few days. But it's so refreshing to be back watching live sports in person. It is unfortunate. I should mention this because I've had a lot of fans reach out. Training camp as of right now is closed to the public. So usually there's dozens Dozens and dozens. And I even remember training camp on those beautiful weekend days in, in 2019, over 100 fans at IG Field. They are closed right now. Us in the media are, are able to, to sit in, which is good. But COVID protocols keeping uh, fans away right now. But boy, it, it sure feels good to uh, to be back in the swing of things. And I know the Bombers, you start talking to them, they're really excited to be back at it, too. Well, were they ever? And at Mad DB, I mean, listening to your reporting and everything else coming out of day one of camp, I mean, everyone was fired up to get back out there after everything they've been through. But, you know, listening to the players speak about day one of camp, I mean, you would think they literally just picked up right where they left off yeah. and where they left off was being the best damn team in the CFL and raising the Grey Cup. I mean, you could just feel the excitement. And, you know, many players making a point of saying, I mean, this has been unlike any camp that we've been before. Um, sounds like the guys have been ultra prepared, or at least the guys that we remember coming back. And that's going to make it a lot tougher for the uh, the new guys trying to crack the lineup to uh, get spots on the team. Yeah, like horses ready to come out of the gate. They're champing at the bit and, and excited to get going. But you're right. Those first few days when it has been a lot of fitness and conditioning, obviously with those four players, including two defensive starters, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, all suffering Achilles tendon injuries within a 10-minute span. It being such a long layoff for all of these athletes across the CFL, fitness, conditioning, monitoring their health easing them back into uh, into re regular football activity has been extremely important both here in Winnipeg and across the league and for all nine teams. But guys are pumped. Like they, they've been waiting for this. And I think it goes beyond just playing football and being in those group activities. It's being back in the room. It's seeing your friends. It's seeing your teammates. Some of those guys, maybe you haven't been in close contact with, uh, you know, uh, on zoom or, or uh, social media or whatever it is during this long layoff, 600 days. Uh, I think we're right around now since um, the blue bombers had that parade downtown and players started, you know, going their separate ways uh, into that winter. But um you're right in saying that it really was kind of picking up right where they left off. Buck Pierce, the new offensive coordinator, well, you'd be surprised to know it's his first year because he's already calling audibles and, uh, you know, uh, switching things up on the fly. He's got the, you know, the radio headset on right now, talking to Zach Kolaris in his helmet, calling plays at the line of scrimmage. It's full on action. And, uh, you know, as much as they're easing the bodies into things after the long layoff, they're really going 100% when it comes to the actual football we're seeing on the field. Darren Bombing with us uh, talking Blue Bomber training camp. Uh, well, a couple things I want to get to. Speaking of newcomers, um, to me, maybe the biggest question mark is how the Bombers will handle the loss of Justin Medlock with how important he's been. I know there's a lot of talk about Mark Leggio. And, you know, it's funny, Darren, I mentioned the Bombers brought 100 players to camp but only one kicker 
Uh, what do you make yeah. of that? Essentially, here is the job. Go and get it. Don't worry about being challenged for it. And um, what's the uh, what's the rookie saying about the big opportunity? Well, first things first, there's two sides to that coin when you bring one kicker to camp. If it's Justin Medlock, well, no brainer. You know he's going to be your guy. But if it's a Canadian rookie from the 2020 draft class that has never kicked professionally before, um, it raises a little bit of concern that is he going to be the guy? Is he going to be mentally and physically able to do it? Now, physically, by all accounts, Mark Leggio is more than capable, was a phenomenal kicker and punter in U sports uh, at Western University, playing for the Mustangs over the last number of years, was all Canadian in 2019, his final season there. He really had a chip on his shoulder or at least wanted to prove to people that he was the best kicker in Canada outside of the professional ranks. The Bombers invested, uh, you know, a mid-round draft pick on him in 2020. And now here he is being the only guy. It shows a lot of confidence that the team has. That's the other side of the coin concern, but there's confidence. He's their guy. And I think it really reassured him. And, you know, what Kyle Walters and Mike O'Shea said over the winter was reiterated by Mark Leggio when we spoke to him yesterday that when Mike O'Shea and Kyle Walters said, we want Mark to be Mark. We don't want him to try to be Justin Medlock or fill those absolutely enormous kicking boots that Justin Medlock left here in Winnipeg. We want Mark to be Mark. And Mark Leggio said that that meant a lot to him and reassured him. Um, I think right now when it comes to kicking, it's a huge mental uh, part of it. It's a huge mental game. We know he can boot it. He's on social media showing that he can kick it from 70 yards. Maybe he's got a little win, but there's no pressure when he's just in a park all alone. It's going to be different when there's 35,000 fans screaming in his ear at Mosaic Stadium, uh, you know, for the Labor Day Classic, that sort of thing. Um, but he's got a veteran long snapper. He's got a phenomenal special teams coordinator in Paul Boudreau Jr. here in Winnipeg. So for legs as his friends call him what a great nickname for a kicker uh he's confident and ready to go and i will say to you hustler i like the nickname you and remus were talking about for him the leg more singular <laughs> he's the yeah. only kicker the blue bombers have he's the leg here in winnipeg yeah and and, and listen i'll say this I, I get what they're doing kind of you know allowing him to come in without the pressure of a kickoff every day in camp um but again there's no preseason games it will be trial by fire for this young guy. And, you know, it's a production-based business. He'll have every opportunity to show that he is the guy and go forward. But if the team is losing football games, and I'm not suggesting that will be the case, but much like we saw with Lira Hirolahu a few years ago, at a certain point you get to the point where there's other kickers out there that they can bring in. But it, it, I just found that interesting, that they had the confidence in him that, you know, Medlock's gone and all right, we've got our succession plan. He's ready to go and go forward. Um, outside of Legio, let's talk about, uh, and again, well, first of all, how would you characterize the first few days? I mean, we talked to Ed Tate on Friday and he said he believed the plan was certainly going to be more based on fitness and conditioning. And then you alluded to the absolutely bizarre situation out of Saskatchewan coming out with those four Achilles injuries, which have no doubt just sent chills throughout every front office in the league. Um, how would you characterize what the team did to get things going uh, at camp over the course of the weekend, workout-wise? I would describe it as 
measured and calculated. Uh, Alain Couture, the longtime Blue Bombers trainer and um, uh, essentially head of athletic therapy for the Blue Bombers on the field on day one and day two, or really every day as he always has been in his time here in Winnipeg. Uh, but being very involved, especially in those warm-up sessions and the running sessions that the players um, you know, have been put through uh, through the first three days of camp here. Tuesday, tomorrow will be another day of conditioning. Wednesday is when they expect it to be kind of that first real day of camp. Now, they, they are, as I mentioned, doing football things. They're running the offense. They're running the defense. They're installing the playbook, which is very important. Every professional team, every amateur team does that install in the early going to make sure the X's and O's in every player's head are where they need to be. But when it comes to their health, it, it goes beyond uh, just ensuring that, you know, they're taking ice baths and they're stretching and they're taking care of things. They're really monitoring the health and fitness level of these individuals because they're coming from all corners of North America. And in Theodric Hansen's case, from the other side of the world, um, and they've all been doing different things during this pandemic time, whether it's a garage in their gym or a gym in their garage or whether it's a gym down the street or whether they've been working out with teammates or otherwise or all alone. Uh, those levels are very different. So they're just being very calculated and careful, um, you know, especially in the early going here. That was a really freakish and scary thing uh, in Saskatchewan. Larry Dean, big free agent signing to replace uh, uh, future Hall of Famer Solomon Elamimian, boom, done for the season. It's brutal I, to see. I, I've never heard of anything like that ever. I mean, you know, you there's teams that have had a few guys go down with injury, but I mean, four Achilles injuries in 10 minutes. I mean, it, it <laughs> honestly doesn't seem possible. And I mean, a huge blow to the riders. And as I mentioned, I mean, not, not only executives going, oh man, but I mean, the players themselves, uh, I think realizing that, you know, there are maybe some unique dangers in this case, because of how long everyone's been off and, you know, you need to be careful going forward. And certainly I think we've seen CFL teams do that. Now, keeping in mind that we haven't had a lot of real football activity, um, but you've been there. Um, any newcomers uh, kind of stand out to you as far as maybe just size, stature, how they looked amongst others? Um, because this is as much a, a season of continuity for the Bombers. But as we've talked about before, both on and off the air, I really do think we're going to get to week six or week seven of the Canadian Football League season, and we'll be talking on a regular basis about players that, frankly, most of us don't even know who they are right now. I really do think there'll be somewhat of a changing of the guard with some young talent coming in and getting the opportunity to shine early. No, no question about that. I'll, I'll start with a player people here in Winnipeg should know about because he is a uh, experienced veteran in the CFL. and is going to take on a very important role here in Winnipeg in one of those starting defensive back spots Two vacated uh, over the offseason um, by Winston Rose and Marcus Sales. Of course, of course, Rose with the Cincinnati Bengals in the NFL. Uh, Marcus Sales time with the Minnesota Vikings now signing a three-year deal and good for him with the BC Lions. Uh, but Josh Johnson is a five-year veteran of the CFL, bit of a journeyman, time with Edmonton most recently. Very versatile player, hard hitter is how I remember uh, him playing against the Blue Bombers uh, in seasons past. Um, but I found it really, really interesting to hear Adam Big Hill, really that emotional and veteran leader on the Blue Bombers defense, rave about Josh Johnson being a big part of their defense. And we're two days at that time into camp. Um, 
spoke very highly of his football IQ and his understanding of the Canadian game, being versatile, being able to play corner, halfback, even strong side linebacker, that dimeback spot in a pinch. Uh, I think that's a real stabilizing free agent addition that Kyle Walters made with those two uh, key departures. Um, as far as the defense, um, you know, Ranthony Tashada is one player I'm watching amongst the defensive backs. Uh, Deatric Nichols led the XFL with three interceptions in their shortened season back in uh, 2020 before they halted things. Of course, um, there's 20 rookie defensive backs nearly <laughs> in blue bombers training camp. So there's a lot of guys and we haven't seen any one-on-ones or real team drills where they're covering receivers yet, but that's the critical key uh, position battle I'm watching for as far as offense, Cam Meredith, you know, you guys had him on uh, him and his little girl on what a big sports talk uh, last week. That was a great interview you guys did. And uh, she really showed the, the character and the type of family man he is wanting to play football, but doing it here in Winnipeg where he now lives with his partner. I think that's a pretty cool backstory for him. But as far as on the field, Sam Meredith looks legit. Like he's NFL size, NFL speed and smooth looks really fluid running, um, you know, uh, running his routes. Uh, I think he's somebody, the blue bombers, at least here in the early going before we're really getting into it. Uh, they expect a lot of him and boy, he's going to push Rashid Bailey. He's going to push Kenny Lawler. Uh, of course, you know, a Canadian like Nick Dembski is, is probably going to be a starter no matter what they're going to need him to be. Um, and Darvin Adams being a veteran, how much more gas does he left have left in the tank? I think he absolutely can, you know, be a thousand yard receiver with a quarterback like Zach Kolaris at the helm. But really, I don't know if Winnipeg's getting the respect across the league and people I talk to, Huss, about their level of talent at receiver. Cam Meredith, uh, you know, fresh out of the NFL, I think he's somebody that uh, is really going to open some eyes and uh, maybe change some opinions at least going into the season. No doubt about it. Uh, hey, shout out to everyone that's with us here live on YouTube right now. Uh, the uh, infamous DQ Nick has just entered the chat saying a shout Our out guy. to fellow Husky alum Darren Bombing. And uh, I see everyone's talking about the blizzards they had on the weekend. Always love to see that. Hey, if you are with us on YouTube, do the boys a favor. Give us a, a hit that thumbs up. Give us uh, some likes. You need to get that up to uh, continue to spread the channel. Um, and if you haven't already, subscribe please uh, we'll be doing a lot of this talking bombers as we get closer to the 5th of august db one of the other very interesting you know things to look at in this camp of course is the quarterback situation there's no more important position um the quarterback carousel if you will in the 2019 season was one of legend with matt nichols and chris streveler and then Zach Calaris. Calaris has still played one regular season game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, of course, he's 4-0, 3-0, most importantly, in the playoffs. Um, first of all, how about the hair on Caleros? Major mud flaps going on. I, he's, uh, like many people, didn't spend a lot of time around the barber. Uh, but all jokes aside, Caleros is the guy. Maguire's the number two. Um, what, have you seen anything from Maguire? And what about the battle for the third quarterback position? Because as we all know, um, guys that are afterthoughts at one point in the season could have the most important job if uh, fate dictates throughout a, throughout a long football season. 
Absolutely. Well, let's start from the top down. Zach Kolaris, that flow. Yeah, he was hunkered down uh, during the pandemic in southern Ontario, like many of us Canadians were, you know, with his family and just letting it go. Uh, I think he's going to get a cut soon. I've kind of heard a little rumor about that, but uh, we'll see how that happens. I like the way it looks flowing out of the helmet for a quarterback like that. Oh, that's uh, little, awesome. Little Trevor Lawrence vibe there, you know, yeah. uh, like that. So, um, you know, uh, Willie Jefferson mentioned today that he's seeing Zach Kolaris look a lot more fluid, and a lot more comfortable. Uh, I can't imagine imagine how challenging that was for Kolaris to come in, play that final, you know, spend a week or two here, then play that final regular season game and then really kind of be thrust into it in those three playoffs ga- games. He, you know, he handled it with a blom. He was, he was frankly awesome. And a big reason I thought Andrew Harris had so much time and space to operate, especially in the gray cup, because defense has started respecting the arm of Zach Claris and the past game of the blue bombers in 2019, much more than maybe they did with Chris Streveler or Matt Nichols. So for Claros, it's no longer just learning the game plan. Okay, we're playing Saskatchewan in the, in the West Final, or we're playing Calgary in the semi, or we're playing Hamilton in the Grey Cup and just working on that game plan. He can now really absorb um, you know, the entire idea of the Blue Bombers offense. I think that's going to serve extremely well. And, and he looks good too, uh, throwing the football here early. As far as Sean McGuire... I don't think there's much competition for that number two spot. It doesn't matter who you are or what year it is or what team it is. You need experience to be an effective CFL quarterback. And gosh forbid, if something happened to Zach Kolaris, it would be Sean McGuire's offense to run. He has a lot of great physical tools, Hustler. Everybody I've spoken with really raves about his IQ and understanding of the playbook and understanding of these interesting nuances that are so different here in Canada from what these quarterbacks have lived and breathed in football as quarterbacks in America. Uh, So I think Sean McGuire is somebody that with no preseason, uh, they're really going to get the most they can out of him during training camp. And then you have that battle for number three. Only two quarterbacks on the active roster this year. That's a change from seasons past in the CFL. They'll only dress two. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be Kolaris uh, and Sean McGuire, but it's Dalton Sneed and Drew Brown and two players from two different subdivisions in the NCAA. Drew Brown, Division one uh, time in Hawaii and then Oklahoma State with the Cowboys. Very smart quarterback, athletic and a good arm on him. Uh, And then Dalton Sneed, a little bit more uh, to the ilk of a lot of successful quarterbacks in the CFL over the last number of years in playing in the Big Sky Conference in FCS Division One, but in that championship bowl series. So that second level of, of NCAA football. Went to the University of Montana, uh, the alma mater of Dave Dickinson. But playing in that Big Sky Conference, whether it's Michael Riley, the BC Lions, Dave Dickinson, so many others, um, that's been a conference where a lot of good quarterback talent has come out of. Uh, so they're going to see what they got in these guys. In the end, they all have the physical tools. They can all huck the huck the pill downfield and be accurate doing it. It's the understanding of, you know, the, the uniqueness of 12-man football here in Canada. Uh, Darren Bombing with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, dropping uh, all the 4-on-1 on Winnipeg Blue Bomber training camp, which got going on Saturday. What was up with Harris today? Did he... Uh, he was gone for a little bit. Uh, nothing to worry about for Bomber fans right now. That's a that's a, a very important name in the Bomber squad that you want to make sure is 100% when things get going on the 5th of August. Extremely important, of course. Uh, Andrew Harris, poof, kind of just vanished. But, uh, you know, uh, we got word from Mike O'Shea that uh, Harris had an appointment. So it doesn't seem to be anything to be too concerned about. 
Johnny Augustine, one of the backup Canadian running backs, uh, has not yet participated in the on-field activity, so we'll continue to monitor him. But with Harris out, it was second-year tailback and another Winnipeg native, another Oak Park kid in uh, Brady Oliveira, taking those first-team reps, getting handoffs from Zach Kolaris uh, in the Blue Bombers offense. He broke his leg in 2019. It was kind of a hellacious injury. I know he's excited to uh, show Blue Bomber fans right here in his hometown what he can do. But absolutely, it's 33's game, uh, you know, and, and 33's ball. He's he's going to continue to be that quiet example leader uh, that the Blue Bombers have really relied on uh, once things get going in August. Well, listen, one more on the on the Bomber offense before we talk about what you're doing with Bonfire Sports and the training camp reports and whatnot. I I I. I uh, listen, the Bombers won the Grey Cup as the ninth passing team in the Canadian Football League. It, that simply does not happen. I mean, it was sort of a unicorn team. I mean, in that they were run by defense. They ran the ball more than any team normally does in the Canadian Football League, both from the running back position and the quarterback position. There's no Strebler this year. Zach Caleros is the quarterback. How different do you think this Bomber offense is going to be, Darren, just in the way that it's structured and the go-to plays for Buck Pierce without having a Chris Strebler? And I guess part of my theory is that it'll be a much more passing-based offense. Also probably is a good thing for a 34-year-old running back that has been taking a lot of hits over a number of years. And, you know, bottom line is he's so important to the team, both running and passing-wise. Um, the more they can spread the ball up, probably the better for Andrew Harris when it comes to playoff time. I've thought a lot about this. You know, you move on from Paul Apolice, a master of the offensive X's and O's, to his, um, you know, his prospect and the heir apparent in Buck Pierce. And no, no Chris Streveler. I think that part is definitely going to look extremely different, especially down the stretch in 2019, how effectively Chris Streveler was running the football. That all said, I don't really expect the Blue Bombers offense to look you know, greatly different than what we've been used to the last number of years under Paul Police. I think the biggest change is Zach Kolaris, and I think there's going to be more ability for Kolaris to stretch the field, to keep defenses on their heels with a legit passing threat. But they're going to continue to play Blue Bomber offensive football. That's physical and violent attack at the, at the line of scrimmage. Uh, good for Zach Kolaris, like any quarterback. So many people say, you know, well, Claris is one hit away from being really hurt. Well, any player is one hit away from being really hurt. The luxury the Blue Bombers have is arguably the best offensive line in the CFL. And all of those guys coming back really from left to right tackle and everybody in between, um, you know, from that championship year to now. With Andrew Harris at the age of 34, he's still the straw that stirs the drink but maybe a bit more of a rotation, maybe a bit more of Brady Oliveira, Johnny Augustine, uh, Kyle Borsa, another Canadian running back they drafted out of the University of Regina, an extremely athletic uh, player. I, I covered a game um, uh, of his in Regina uh, in 2019. They have some weapons. They have some versatility. That's always been Mike O'Shea's mantra in the coaching staff. Be versatile, be different, be able to change things up. That's the reason Zach Kolaris and this Blue Bombers offense was so dangerous in the playoffs. They started doing things that teams had never seen them do all season long. So I don't really look too much at them being the ninth ranked passing team in 2019. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, a bit of a different story just with the similar look and feel here in 2021. 
All right, Darren Bombing's with us. Now, DB, I think most people are already aware that um, you and the Hammer are going to be getting after it with CFL 247 coming up, and the Bonfire Sports YouTube channel is live. I know Remus threw the link in for people that are watching live on Get Over There. Um, But not only before we wait for the actual weekly show to get going, you've been doing some great training camp reports. Fill everyone in on the content that's coming out from you at Bonfire now that training camp is underway. Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun doing it, Huss, you know, uh, going back a a few years and uh, really getting into, you know, TV story production, but doing it in a much more um, modern way, you know, for a YouTube audience and and appreciate all the love and support and links you guys have shared on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, You know, uh, Jeff Hamilton and I will get into CFL 360 uh, in the coming weeks. It's a very different show. It's a, it's an intensive show as far as what we're going to roll out. Want to make sure that it's right before we go. Uh, but it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun once we do that. Uh, but um, yeah, CFL 360 and the daily stuff up uh, on Bonfire Sports. You can find that on YouTube slash Bonfire Sports. Um, you know, just happy to be back doing this stuff hustler and you know uh really love uh the questions and the response uh that fans out there have uh you know started uh started sharing uh with the channel and uh you know it's because of guys like you that uh you know this is the medium people are really it's the go-to way uh to uh to get your sports fix right now well, i gotta say i mean i saw the camp i mean got a little editing in there with some shots of what was going on it was it was impressive and I mean, this is, I think, what people want right now. I mean, uh, especially with fans not being able to be at camp right now. um, It's such a unique time. I mean, there is so much excitement and so much anticipation for what's going on with the football team. Uh, A great way for people to simply go get a 10-minute update on what happened at camp and the stories to look around. And uh, I imagine those will be coming on a regular basis uh, in advance of uh, the show launching in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, looking forward to it. You don't want to miss it today. Willie Jefferson was, he was lit during his media availability today. You don't want to miss uh, those comments. I got that and a lot more coming up uh, on Bonfire Sports. Excellent. So again, I don't know why I called it CFL 24-7. It's 360. Well, we're on it. We're we're on it 24-7. Well, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That was the other option for the uh, the title. Um, But of course, getting going right now, training camp reports on a daily basis for the most part going forward. And then... Uh, the show going into the season. So, uh, well, DB, listen, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to set this up and do this on a regular basis. It's great to have you back, uh, grinding out, working on the bomber beat, and uh, we always love catching up. And I know people are really excited for the content you're putting out over at Bonfire Sports. Appreciate it, Hustler. Love being on with you. You call me anytime. I'll, I'll give you the latest deets uh, on Blue Bombers camp. I, f- I feel like a player or maybe even more like a coach. You got to put in those 12, 14-hour days uh, in the early going to camp here. <laughs> yeah, just keep grinding. And by the way, the background is amazing. You've done a great job with it. I see that picture, the old stadium in the back. Yeah, There's I love been lots that. of comments about the little mini ghetto blaster. Uh, and that's <laughs> that spawned an entire different conversation in the chat about favorite nice. cassette tapes people had. So uh, oh, anyway, I got to stuff- grab my old uh, my old hip hop mixtapes from the <laughs> 90s. But that's the same radio right there that I used to listen to Bob Irving call Blue Bomber games on when I was a kid. So, uh, yeah. It looks good up there. I like the little ghetto blast. Well, it's going to be great to hear Bob doing the games again when things get going on August 5th. It's been a long wait, but the anticipation continues to rise as the Bombers will look to uh, go back-to-back, albeit with a long break in between. Longest reigning champions on a single Grey Cup ever in CFL history. Uh, Bomber, great stuff, pal. Let's do this again soon. Uh, We'll catch up next week and uh, looking forward to all the uh, more content. You are covering the Bombers on a Bonfire Sports. Thanks for doing this, dude. Hey, keep it good, Huss. Appreciate it.
Right on. There he is, Darren Bombing. Uh, you're probably already following him on Twitter. If you're not, you should be Darren with an I, Bombing. And, of course, that YouTube channel again, Bonfire Sports, with all of his content on the Bombers in the Canadian Football League. And we'll look forward to the debut of CFL 360 with Bombing and Hammer a little bit later on this month. And uh, we'll get both of the guys on as they launch that to make sure everyone knows what they are doing. Uh, great stuff from DB. Um, hey, Aikens Lake. I am going on Friday. I cannot wait. Uh, the weather is going to be 35 degrees every day. Um, that will complicate things a little bit. But to be honest, nowhere that I would rather be. If you've never been or seen Aikens Lake, check them out online at AikensLake.com. This is a, a unique opportunity. Normally, they are packed with American tourists throughout the summer because of the border. That's not the case this year. Um, so there is some availability if you want to go and check out an absolutely world-class and fishing lodge. I'll be firing out some content on my Twitter feed and Instagram over the course of the weekend. So you'll want to give me a follow at Hustlerama if you're not already. And if you are thinking about maybe getting out on the water in this incredible environment, find out more at AkinsLake.com or you can hit Pit Turin up on Twitter at Aikens Lake. And of course, live racing is back tonight at Assiniboia Downs. Now, we're still waiting on the new restrictions, which will hopefully allow us to get out and bet the ponies and be in the grandstands as we normally have. Right now, the only way you can get in for live racing is into the Terrace Dining Room, and reservations are a must. So go to asdowns.com for more information. You can book your reservation in the dining room, and fingers crossed, in a week or two, we'll be able to go in person to the downs. And when that happens, we'll get the gang together for a little bit of a Winnipeg sports talk night out at the track. Of course, Cineboy downs, you can bet on HPIbet.com right now, as well as the tracks all around the world. Remus and I will be renewing the duel at the downs with our picks in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but get ready for Cineboy Downs tonight. And uh, don't forget their YouTube channel uh, shows all the races with some great insight as well. The ASD live show begins at 6.45 before post time, just after 7.30 p.m. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here. We do have some other things to get to, including some cool bet lines for tonight's home run derby. Uh, but Remo, great stuff. Michael Traco is always a great guest. Fun to get into that hockey talk, especially coming out of the announcement that Duncan Keith is now a member of the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, tell you what, Bombing's doing a great job cranking out that bomber content. It was fun to have him after a very steamy first weekend of training camp for the blue and gold. Yeah. It says real hot out there. Um, and Darren is doing Bonfire Sports TV. He had some really nice uh, reports on the start of training camp. So uh, I would definitely check that out if you're uh, looking for some Bombers content. Uh, shout out to Eagle Fang in chat. He popped in. He said he was just at the parade in Tampa. So uh, I guess we're pretty wide hey, reaching Eagle, here. what's up? That's pretty awesome. He says there's so many bo boats there. So uh, we've seen some videos. We do love a good parade. We'll see uh, when they, once they get to the podium. These guys can put a straight sentence together. But we did have that, uh, you know, right, bringing right in on Michael Trakos, we did have the news of the Duncan Keith trade. I'm really enjoying looking at the uh, at the roster of the Oilers. I think uh, Jonathan Willis of The Athletic was pointing out they have like $9 million in salary cap tied up in Duncan Keith now. I guess they haven't updated it on Cap Friendly. And Zach Cassian. Um, that is not the most uh, efficient 
use of salary if you're trying to put together an NHL roster in the flat cap. Uh, we'll have to see. They're going to need some some more from those now, guys. Do we know? Do we know if Chicago maintained uh, retained no, any salary on? Keith? No, no salary retained. Wow, that's yes. not going to go over well in Edmonton. So I, I can I, already tell yeah, all the things were like, yeah, we would take him if they uh, keep half of his cap mm-hmm. hit and all that. Yeah, yeah apparently that's not what so, it, that's not what happened. Dustin Nielsen uh, posted. I guess their video of their trade reaction and then zeroing in on the moment where they found out there was no salary. So we might have to call <laughs> him up at, at some point, talk some CFL and Oilers. Uh, he said he was stunned that Oilers couldn't get the Hawks to retain salary. So that's, that's the reaction at Edmonton. Um, I think they're confused about the timing. You know, other, you know otherwise you make, you know, uh, the Blackhawks keep Heath as one of their protected um, also said the Hawks had zero leverage in the trade. So they're, I mean, maybe the Oilers have another move. They buy out James Neal. That would be that maybe their next move. So, well, uh, there, uh, there's going to be some buyouts and mm-hmm. I mean, they'd been talking about Koskinen, Cassian had been suggested. I think Neal's the obvious one just because of the size of the salary, the term, and the fact that he really can't get in the lineup. It seems at most times. So yeah, this Oilers offseason is going to be fascinating. Really, the next few weeks, I think, are going to be very busy for us. Uh, you know, last week, a little slow. The cup final ends. Uh, but unlike, you know, often when you've got like a long period of dead time for the hockey calendar, that's not happening this year. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, Saturday, we will find out who is protected by each team in the NHL. And then we'll have four days to do mock expansion drafts and speculate on trades and who can be acquired via Seattle to other teams. And then on Wednesday, it all goes down Wednesday, the 21st, two days later, it's time for the draft. And then the following Wednesday, free agency begins. So these next couple of weeks in, in hockey are going to be very interesting. We'll be talking about it on a daily basis, both from a Jets perspective and a league's perspective here on Winnipeg yep. Sports Talk Daily. We we do need to give a shout out to the Koskinen uh, contract too, in terms of buyouts. He's making four and a half. And I remember when they signed that, like he had played like barely in the NHL. And it's like, you're signing this guy to a three-year deal. And then the next day, Shirelli was fired. <laughs> it's an all-timer. It's an all-timer. Like, that was his parting gift <laughs> yeah. to the Oilers. So yeah, maybe he would be, uh, he would be bought out as well. Just, I don't know. I have to. I haven't seen some of the math, but uh, you know, for a one year, maybe it's not worth it as much, or it does free up a little room. But then you got to find a replacement, and he's basically replacement level. You got to pay that replacement. So I, I like, is it really worth it at at that point um, for Costco? But there's no question that that contract was terrible the second that it was signed. I, I mean, not maybe not terrible because it's only like four million, but it was definitely an over uh, overpay for like no reason. Yeah, Eagle Fang's in here, uh, and of course, Eagle is just out at the Stanley Cup Parade. Uh, hey, great to have you, and thank you very much for the sub, Eagle Fang. Yeah, we'll definitely be uh, keeping the hockey talk going throughout the summer. Um, you'll probably become a big bomber and CFL fan, too, because we'll be hitting that quite a bit now that uh, they're back on the field and getting ready for uh, the big game on the 5th of August. But certainly, the focus in here um, is on the Winnipeg Jets and the National Hockey mm-hmm. League coming into some very, very interesting yeah. weeks in and around the league. And we are counting down to um, 5,000 
subs on yes. YouTube. Uh, we've been chugging along. We, we might be able to get there before the end of the month. That would be awesome. And if you want to help us get there, hit that red sub button under the video. I'm pointing down. That's not a thumbs down. Sorry, pointing down. And <laughs> yeah, also do the thumbs up. That's yeah, what we want. <laughs> yeah. And then, yes, do the thumbs up. Hit that thumbs up button, the like button. It helps us become uh, more discoverable on YouTube if people know a lot of people are hitting that thumbs up. So all the help uh, is awesome. So thank you so yeah. much, guys, for your support. Yeah, and listen, uh, we can't forget about everyone listening on podcast um, that aren't with us live when we do it on YouTube. Really appreciate that as well. And uh, if you can't, at some point, um, just pop in at the bottom of the feed. You can give us a five-star rating and a review. That certainly helps it as well. All right, Reem, let's get to Cool Bet because uh, normally we do our daily lines. This is one of my favorite days of the daily lines of the year because there's not much going on except... We have the Major League Baseball Home Run Derby. So let's get it out. Eight individuals going for the title. No surprise that the Japanese Babe Ruth Shohei Otani is the favorite. He leads the league with 33 home runs. I think he just had, what, 17 and 25 games or something like that. I mean, the guy's been on an absolute tear. Never mind what he's doing on the mound. Otani is the favorite at 2-1 to one plus 200. Joey Gallo's next at plus 430. Pete Alonzo, who I believe won the last derby. I guess they didn't do one last year, but the year before at plus 625. Matt Olson is at 7-1. to one. I'll be honest, I'm not that familiar with Matt Olson. Trevor Story, interesting, um, certainly knows the ballpark in Coors Field very well. He's at 850. My guy, Salvi Perez. I don't know if Sal's going to win. I, he probably won't, but maybe one of my all-time favorite players. He's 10 to 1. Great to see Salvi in there. Juan Soto at plus 1150 and Trey Mancini at 17 to 1. Remo, uh, thoughts on uh, where the value is for this derby tonight? And most important, what's going to be the winning bet? Who's taking this? Yeah, that's a good question, uh, Huss. Let me just bring myself up here so you can see my beautiful face. Um, <laughs> if you want to go over the sentimental pick, uh, Trey Mancini at plus 1700, he sat out last year, uh, recovering from cancer and he's back and in the home run derby, uh, very good player. I may not know him Baltimore, the hometown pick Trevor story plus eight fifty. I kind of like him, uh, you know, decent odds, you know, top shortstop. That would be one to pick. Um, I like Juan Soto too. I mean, plus 1150 great player, but he's going up against the favorite Otani in the first round. You could be one and done there. So. I think Trevor's story would probably be the pick. I like Matt Olson. He hits bombs on the A's. But I mean, Oton, you gotta go with the, you gotta go with him. I know it's it's tough. And one thing you do worry about in the home run derby, like guys hitting too many home runs early and then tiring out. Like, didn't Guerrero Jr. He put everyone remembers that he put on that show. I think he didn't even win, right? No, that no, he did. Yeah, he, he did. He, he didn't win. Lost he tired in the out. final. He, he had tired like 50 out. home runs in the first two rounds and then hit six or something in the final. Yeah, so I think you got to be worried about that. Maybe go. I think I'm leaning Trevor Story. That would be my pick. He's, you know, from plays for the Rockies. He's got pow. I'm going to go with him. Uh, just I think just that, as an aside, just yeah. as an aside, has there ever been anything that improved so much by a simple rule change? than the home run derby going to this new format. Do you remember how borderline unwatchable it was before where they just waited for the pitch that they wanted? It was terrible. I mean, it, it was it was absolutely mind-numbing. It was so bad. Like, I was the one that said, listen, just cancel this. This sucks. Nobody wants to watch this. And by changing it to a timed event, 
it completely did a 180. And now, I mean, when it comes to all-star festivities, like three-point contests, slam dunk contests, all the ridiculous things the NHL does, there's nothing as exciting as this home run derby. Like, I- I'm legitimately excited to watch this tonight. I think we all want to go and see uh, Shohei Otani mash some dingers tonight. But also, I'm sure there's going to be some, there could be some name of this group. I mean, Juan Soto is one of the brightest, like, young stars in the league as well. And now he's, they, it's kind of sad they match these two guys up in the first round. But we have noted that the players do tend to run out of gas towards the end. So maybe that's why they made these matchups. But uh, I, I am excited. I agree. It was getting stale. Guys were just looking at pitches, waiting. This time event, you just got to go, go, go. It's fast. The head-to-head, while you know, maybe you'll have instances where you know some player is not deserving of winning, but I think you, you, no one remembers who beat Guerrero in that final. You just remember him putting on a show and hitting home runs. So I think that's what you want to see tonight, Otani. And uh, I am very excited. I will be tuning in uh, to to his appearances and you know seeing the other guys too, and maybe someone can come out and uh, hit some bombs. It would have been great to have Vlad in this as well. Although I'm always nervous. Like it doing well in the home run derby seems to like curse guys in the second half of the season, which is yes. very bizarre and strange. And I'm not sure whether it's coincidence or not, but the way Vlad's going right now for the Blue Jays, I think they'll just let him uh, keep doing what he's doing and not worry about hitting 70 bombs at Coors Field on the home run derby night. But I think we're lucky to have Otani. I'm not sure how many times Otani's going to be in this. This is really the year of Shohei. So the fact that he's such a heavy favorite will make it fun to watch. But we've seen it doesn't always go that way. I do see a lot of love for Joey Gallo, who really is just been put on this earth to hit home runs and not do much else. Um, so we'll see what he can do. Anyways, we'll check that out tonight. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later on uh, this week on the program as well. All-Star game tomorrow. And then uh, we'll see if the Jays can make a push and try and get back into playoff contention. Uh, great game by Robbie Ray yesterday, just quickly on the Jays room. You see that? I mean, what, 11 strikeouts, one hit, dominant pitching performance right when the Jays needed it after dropping the first two against the Rays. Yeah, Robbie Ray, I mean, he was had some great seasons in Arizona and he kind of had fallen off his you know, his walking too many guys. You know, he when he came to the Jays, he pitched great, but again, consistency an issue with him. And the Jays, you know, want to make a push here in the second half. They got to shore up the bullpen. They've already made a couple deals uh to do that, getting Trevor Richards last week. And Robbie Ray, I mean, they're gonna need the starting pitching as well. So I mean the bats, uh who wasn't in chat said Jays are an exciting team are fun to watch. BA saying that in chat. But uh, the pitching is gonna what is gonna be what gets them into the playoffs. Hopefully, we'll see. You know, the trade deadline coming up at the end of the month, and uh, I'm sure they're gonna make a couple moves to address their bullpen. I keep hearing them linked with uh, Craig Craig Kimbrell. Uh, he's having a big big uh, season for the Kimbrell Cubs. would be an amazing. He's got yeah. two more years of team control, uh, but it certainly would cost a pretty penny to get him there. But honestly, and when you look at the Jays' makeup, um. You know, maybe it's worth it. They made a few deals over the past couple of weeks. They're still trying to bolster that bullpen, and they'll need to continue to do that if they do want to contend. Hey, Jason Jett in chat, British Open contest on DK? Yes, we will be doing a DraftKings. I'll make probably a 50-person contest. I'll put it out shortly afterwards. And again, I don't know if the league invites are working, so I'll also put a tweet out with the link so if you uh, haven't joined us before for some of these, the golf ones are my favorite. Uh, it'll be a $3 contest. We'll do the top five win. 
So join us. Check my Twitter a little bit later on and uh, make sure you reserve your spot. Tell your friends. And that will be a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I'll be donating to that. Hey, you never you never know what will you never know how it'll come out. But um, I'm uh, oh, Wednesday, 11 p.m. is the first tea time. Oh, that's right. Open championship. May have to change the old uh, sleep schedule a little bit for the next couple of days once we uh, once we get to tee off for uh, for the open, as it were. So, yes, I will be making that contest right after the program. So check it out. Tweet me if you haven't seen it or if you need a link. And uh, I'm at Hustlerama as well on DraftKings. Remus, of course, is at M. Remus. Yeah, I'll take head-to-heads if anyone wants to fill me on a head-to-head. Maybe CFL, I do head-to-heads. Not yeah. not NFL, or not golf. Golf, I, I suck at DraftKings. But uh, any other sports, I'm usually pretty good. Well, we're going to be, uh, and you mentioned CFL. We cannot wait. We will have our first DraftKings CFL contest for Winnipeg Sports Talk going into week number one. And uh, working behind the scenes with the folks on uh, maybe some other cool things to do with them going into the season. We'll let you know how that goes. Uh, One cool thing I know we're going to be doing tonight, Ramo, is trying to get back in the winner's circle at the track at Assiniboia Downs. Uh, you know, I had a couple nice wins last week. You, after your incredible start, slipping a little bit. Did you uh, did you spend some time meditating, thinking positive thoughts as you go into your Monday picks? Uh, no, I tried to, no, Huss, I went with the opposite. I tried to, uh, you know, put it away, try to enjoy myself. I'm not thinking about racing. And now I'm today, I'm trying to come in with an open mind. So I didn't do anything. Definitely just tried not to think about it. And now I started looking at the board. I was like, oh, God, don't screw this up. Got to pick the right one because I'm on a big losing streak here at Assiniboia Downs. Um, do you have your selections I, ready to go? I got, or, uh... I got my picks, yeah. Well, All me... right, you you fire yours in. I'm just making my last couple. Okay, I will do my picks. We are ready. Uh, race two. And there are a lot of. there's a bit of a trend. There's a lot of horses named uh, Wits. I don't know. I got to ask, do you know why? Is there like some owner who names every horse like Wits? Starts with Wits? I was, you know, it's funny you say that because yeah. we've got Wits Hurricane, Wits Dollar yeah. Knight is in one of the races There's tonight. There's so many. So if anyone knows, I'm actually curious. But race two, I'm taking You Should Talk to place. That's finished second. Um, race three, I'm doing a Quinella with my guy City Champ, who I've had before. And number seven, Stone Cafe. They got to finish one and two. Uh, in any order, that's a Quinella. And race five, I am taking, or six, nothing but a blur to win. And I'm also taking my last pick. So I did five or four $5 bets. You have to spend $20 HPI bet, Assiniboia Downs. Last one, or seven, Sue's Easter Girl to win. So I'm trying to keep it simple. That's that's what I'm doing. I'm not going anything crazy. Keep it simple. Just trying to pick winners. And uh, hopefully I can get at least one of these because it has been a rough ride for me after starting off real hot. Yes. All right. Let's go. Um, I am going to I'm actually going to pick a couple winners. Um, race number one. Uh, we're going to go with one to win half in the wrapper uh, to win. Uh, I'm, I'm going to figure out I it'd probably be three or four dollar bets on all of these <clears throat> race two. I'm going to take number six, Warbridge, to win. And then I'll go with the six, eight, Quinella. You should talk in Warbridge. Did you go you should talk for place? Yes, I did. 
Okay, good. So hopefully we can we can both win those bets. Uh, so six to eight, you should talk to place. Number three, I'm going to put maybe a bigger chunk on City Champ. It looks like it's about even money. Probably won't pay a lot, but maybe I'll make a bigger bet. But I'm definitely going to take City Champ to win. City Champ has won four straight at Assiniboia Downs. And then we get to race number four. We're going to do a Quinella with number two, Chicago Roll, and number six, Pucker. And uh, we move in. I like race number five is there are uh, there's eight horses. Um, so just looking at the uh, at the races, we're going to go with number six. Nothing but a blur. We're going to throw number two. Not a doctor on the card. And we're also going to take Mr. Snickers. Eh. Actually, no, we're going to go five. The X he kid X high kid. So six, two and five. We'll do the tractor wheel for $1 try. So there are my picks. We'll get those out, see if we can get back at it, back in the win column. Did have a couple nice ones last week. And, of course, if you do want to bet with us, you can do it, as Remus mentioned, at hpibet.com. And if you want to get out to the track, as I know many people do right now, you can watch it all in the Terrace Dining Room. But reservations are a must, so you can give Assiniboy Downs a call or check out more on asdowns.com. Um, Remo, great show to come back. Uh, by the way, uh, we have not talked about the this, and I was going to get into it with with Michael Trakos, but we had more interesting things to talk about. But I'm sure I was not the only one that chuckled a little bit and was legitimately surprised to hear Pierre Maguire hired today by the Ottawa Senators as their senior vice president of player development. Yeah. I mean, he's always been the name rumored to, to, you know, to be interviewed for GMs and, you know, hasn't landed a position and here he is. NBC doesn't have the contract anymore. So now he's free. He's a free agent and he's with an NHL front office to me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not running an NHL organization, but to me, I would probably be leaning towards someone that's had some experience in the last 15 years working in an NHL front office to have a, you know, a vice president level position, but Pierre Maguire, I mean, he has seen a lot of hockey. Um, you know, he's been in between the glass for a number of games. I know he does a lot of preparation. I love his hits. <laughs> I love his hits on the radio. Rich Duzer. Maguire knows every player's home address when they were yeah. 13 years old. So that's player development right there. Reem. There you go. I mean, he does know where they all play junior and who coached them. I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that, but as far as running an NHL front, being you know, a high-level NHL front office, uh, getting some criticism. Also getting some criticism as for um, his dismissiveness of analytics. I know you, you know you need, I think you need to have some kind of balance, and he's going very hard on scouting, and I know he likes to use the term uh, boots on the ground when uh, using scouting. So you, can, you know Ottawa is going to be getting some close looks at certain guys. So I thought it was a curious move. I'm not going to say, you know, either I'm going to maybe fence it here, but I just find it, I find it interesting. Huss. I don't know where you stand. He's that, listen, he's the most polarizing figure. He drove everybody crazy with some of the things that he said on television. And he was an easy guy to pick on mm -hmm. and everyone took shots on him. And yeah, in a lot of ways, he's not that likable a guy. Um, I think the criticisms of analytics, if you will, are a little bit overblown. Um, and, you know, and, and like I saw him say today, I mean, all of that information is important, but it's important 
in conjunction, or at least he believes with, and I think most hockey people do, and I believe this too. I mean, you're not getting the full story just by looking at a chart. I mean, there is some element of actually watching guys play, seeing things that they do when it comes to coaching, player development, and all of that. Um, That opinion maybe isn't that popular on social media, but I think that is, for the most part, the way things go. And even the most analytically based teams in the National Hockey League I mean, are not 100% on the chart. I mean, there are some of those other things. So, listen, Maguire, in some ways, is a bit of an easy punching bag. Uh, but he's brought a lot of it on himself as well. And then, you know, when you add the fact that it's the Ottawa Senators, um, I did see some funny things. Eugene Melnick, now only the second most disliked person in the organization right now. So, uh, I don't know. It's an interesting story going forward. I Low tide today on uh, TSN at Edmonton was saying, mark my words, Pierre Pierre Maguire is going to be the next GM of the Ottawa Senators. Um, and he has been rumored out there before, and I think probably more often was just sort of poking some of his insider buddies. Hey, can you mention me for some of these jobs? Just say that I'm in the mix. Uh, but anyways, he's working back in hockey, and uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see. that. That's a very important job for the Ottawa Senators. I mean, when you think about player development, I mean, they've stunk for a long time. They've got a lot of very talented young players uh, I would suggest that, you know, while the job, the title itself, he's a vice president, but he's in player development, not coaching. If you're a team that has drafted as many top young players as the Ottawa Senators have, um, he will have a hand in trying to get this team back to a much more respectable position than they've been for the last few seasons. Yeah, and it seems like Ottawa is, you know, is on the way up. I know they got off to the gate real slow start and we saw, you know, the Jets uh, beat them a bunch. But since, you know, since that first month, I think they were very strong and they have a number of young players moving forward. Tim Stutzla, Thomas Shabbat starting. You know, those were probably two of their top guys. And I didn't even mention Brady Kachuk. Um, so I think I think they're they're good going forward. And Pierre Maguire, he did work in hockey before. I mean, assistant coach from 91 uh, to 96, including a short stint as head coach with Hartford. So, I mean, he does have NHL experience. I just found it curious that you, you know, hire a guy for that type of position who hasn't worked in an NHL front office in uh, like 15 years. So, you know, Hey, Mitch, the Godfather, Mitch uh, WHT is in and, and Mitch was the area scout for Portland for a long time here in, uh, in Manitoba. Mitch, uh, Mitch, you know, what is it? Mitch says brutes on the ground is good. LOL. It's about 10 to 15% of overall evaluation. I would Mitch just drop in chat your thoughts on how much um, you get out of watching the players and how much of it is elsewhere. Cause I think Mitch of all people in the chat has the most experience from actually scouting and also has a great grasp of, you know, how important some of these numbers are and trends and things that you can't get from popping in and watching one or two games going forward. Um, and, and real speaking of scouting and, and all of that, um, I know our focus for the next week or so is going to be on that expansion draft, but we cannot forget uh, the two days after that is the amateur draft. And I got to say, I'm more interested in this draft maybe than any in recent history. Uh, not from a perspective of the Jets and where they're picking. Obviously, the line A draft was the most exciting from that. But just how weird. And I know we're going to be talking with some draft experts over the course of the next few weeks before it goes. Um, I'm really interested to see just how different these draft boards are from scout to scout and team to team. Uh because of the unpredictable nature of this year's draft, because how many players weren't playing last year? I can tell you, as every player picked, uh, the team will say, oh, we can't believe uh, he failed us. We had him ranked way higher on our draft board. I'm sure that'll be said even more than usual. 
Um, and yeah, we'll be talking. I'm talking with um, Shane Malloy, Hockey Prospect Radio. He's probably going to come on this week. I know he's camping right now. It is July 12. Um, so uh, yeah, but those guys will- have their draft boards ready. This is just yeah. they're just waiting for it to all get going. I don't think there's going to be much changing of the boards in the middle of July. No, but uh, yeah, Owen Power seems to be the uh, consensus number one, or is he? But we'll have to wait and see uh, what Buffalo does. I know they picked uh, Rasmus Dahlin. You know, first overall a couple of years ago, and he had some big regression this year. But with a new, you know, with Don Granado now being the regular coach, you know, taking off that interim label, uh, maybe things are finally on the up and up, and they will have likely a Jack Eichel trade and a Sam Reinhardt trade as well. See, you know, seemingly if you follow the uh, the trade boards that the insiders put out, yeah. So they're going to trade everybody off their team and burn it, blow it up again. Um, man, that's an unfortunate situation. And Kevin Adams, like, I don't know whether he's cut out to do this. I mean, speaking of guys getting very important jobs with a lot of experience, I mean, he was running business operations for the Pagulas. And next thing you know, he's the general manager of the Buffalo Sabres. And I mean, it's a to trade a player like Jack Eichel affects your franchise probably for a decade, a minimum going forward. So a lot of pressure on Adams to make the right deal for the Sabres going forward. I like Buffalo. I think their fans are amazing. They've supported their team. We've seen what's happened with the Bills now that they're respectable, the love and the support they're getting in that market. And I think it's there for the Sabres, but how they get there is a uh, much more difficult problem to solve because they've been trying for the last decade and it simply hasn't been working. Um, great show today. Thanks to everyone that uh, showed up and popped in. If you haven't already, hit that thumbs up button. Uh, we could certainly use the likes on the way out. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. As I said, lots of Jets and Bomber talk over these next few weeks with Bomber training camp going on and everything going on as far as the uh, NHL offseason. And I know we'll get to more of that tomorrow, Remo, on the program. Hopefully heading out to Saskatchewan, see if we can get DT to join us for a little bit of CFL talk. We'll certainly talk more hockey, uh, as well as break down this Duncan Keith trade a little bit more with some reaction from Edmonton. Should be quite interesting. Um, Remo, before we go, um, any further thoughts on uh, this evening and the Home Run Derby and your final selection? Oh, uh... Nah, I guess I'll pick Trevor Story if like we had to pick. I'm not gonna pick Otani. That's uh, that's the easy, easy yeah. way out. I don't take the easy way. So uh, you know, I mean, anyone can go pick a favorite. Like I'm not picking. I didn't pick Tampa Bay to win the cup because like anyone can pick Tampa Bay. No. Okay. Here, this is just back to our scout question before we go. Mitch has chimed in. Watching is important. Skating is different in person for me. Skating number one, skill number two, compete number three work ethic, et cetera, analytics come into play later. And in my opinion, account for maybe 20 to 25% of overall evaluation. There you go from the mouth of a scout, uh, our good friend, Mitch. Yeah, it's uh, some good intel there. I guess we didn't, uh, we didn't touch too much on the, you mentioned the Kucherov thing a bit. Um, I wanted to point out this picture of, uh, I mean, there's a lot of pictures and stuff coming on. We do have the, what is this? This tweet. Uh, with Andre Vasilevsky wearing the Conn Smythe trophy as a hat. What disrespect, Huss? You can't be wow. doing that. That's a legendary trophy to be putting it on your head. Completely inappropriate. And uh, I don't know. They're get, they're, they should be getting called out for this. Uh, the well, Tampa- listen, yeah. last year, last year, we all remember the outrage when Tom Brady 
through the Lombardi trophy uh, to another boat. And I believe it was the granddaughter of the silversmith that made the Lombardi trophy took to social media to say she was outraged at the disrespect that the Buccaneers showed to the, uh, to the trophy. Uh, I can't but help wondering if there's a long lost relative of whoever made the Con Smythe trophy that might be taken to social media chastising Vasilevsky for disrespecting the trophy. It's a trophy, not a hat, Andre. Show it some respect, even though you're the owner of the trophy right now. Come yeah, on. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. The Tampa Bay Lightning, I'm looking forward to them getting booed in every building next year. I know you touched on the 18 million t-shirt. I think when you like put them, I think they, those guys are just like laughing in the dressing room like when Kutrov came back. <laughs> you're back now. We're 18 million of the cap. The whole league, they're they're going down. Isn't that amazing, guys, how we uh, pulled a fast one here? Now, I don't know if they did, you know, manipulate uh, some time, recovery Tell time. Tell me if Julian Breezeball wears that shirt. If Breezeball is wearing that shirt, that is really poking the bear going forward. Yeah, so, and I don't know if they're going to change the rule or not, but I think when a team is, like, pointing out how, you know, they were able to bend the rules like that, I don't, I mean, I love it in terms of us being able to talk about it and giving people a reaction, but in terms of, like, running a business, I'm not sure if, that's what you want to see. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> You're I right. But I think it. I think it is awesome. I you know. I think Tampa's going to get booed in every bill, especially Montreal. Um, they're going to get booed. I think Vegas. You know, when he called Flurry, what's his name? I yeah, I think it's name? it's great. And same but, here. And same yeah. here. Disrespecting. Oh yeah, disrespecting our uh, savior Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. So I think we need to. You know, when the Tampa comes here next year, and uh, people can go, we'll have to rile up everyone, remind them about how we disrespected oh, yeah. Connor Hellebuck, and everyone we'll can, do that. Because Winnipeg hasn't booed anyone uh, really strongly in a while, but Tampa need they need they're embracing full heel mode, and I'm here for it. But we need to respond and uh, boo them mercilessly when they come. Yes, yes, Re- respond appropriately, hockey fans of the National Hockey League when the Lightning get ready mm-hmm. for a three peat. Yeah. Um, hey, this has been a great show. Great way to start it off. Great to see a few people that were back with us live on YouTube that maybe were on holidays for a couple days last week. Thanks yeah. so much for doing this. Uh, as always, want to thank our great family of sponsors, not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ group. Great to see Nick join us live today in the chat. Of course, Aikens Lake and Assiniboia Downs. You know, at end of the program, I'll wait, but I'll tell you tomorrow who our very two special guest hosts are going to be. When I'm at Aikens on Friday and Monday, we've got uh, a couple great friends of the program stepping in with Remus on Friday and Monday. We'll tell you about that tomorrow on the program. We'll have more on this National Hockey League offseason. We'll recap the festivities at the Derby going into the All-Star Game. We'll talk more CFL training camps and Winnipeg Blue Bombers and much, much more. In the meantime, folks, make sure you hit the like button and subscribe if you're with us on YouTube. Rate and review if you can if you're listening on podcast and spread the word about Winnipeg Sports Talk. And oh, by the way, if you haven't already um, picked up any of the Winnipeg Sports Talk merchandise, it is available now at the store. Uh, You can click on the store tab at winnipegsportstalk.com, or Remus has obviously thrown a couple of links as well in the chat today as well. It's in the description, and shout out to Braden Fleming, who said he got his shirt today, and a number of people, Leslie tweeted us, he got his hoodie. Yeah, Leslie Um, looking good in that hoodie. The merch came out great, folks. It's uh, it's high-end stuff. Yes, um, uh, you, you will definitely uh, you will definitely like it. We ordered it first to make sure it was good before we told ever, anybody else. Yeah, uh, Braden said he wore the shirt today, and 
Someone had never heard of us, apparently. So uh, he just we got a new fan from uh, from Braden uh, rocking that shirt. So thank well, you. Well, to be honest, I mean yeah. that is that is why. I mean, we are so thankful to the people that have picked it up and and wearing it around because I mean, not only is it uh, is it great and certainly encouraging for us to see the support we've had that people would want to want to be wearing it. Um, it there's going to be a lot of uh, word of mouth, I think, advertising for it where people see it. Wait a second, what is Winnipeg sports talking? Obviously, you folks that are uh, been so loyal to us since we started on the 8th of March with episode number one um, are uh, the greatest crew we could have telling people um, about the show and letting people more know, know about it. So, uh, yeah, if anyone's asking, tell them to look us up on YouTube and their favorite podcast feed. Hit the subscribe button. Join us daily on YouTube at one o'clock and in that inbox for a podcast listeners uh, just after 3 p.m. every afternoon. Well, great way to start the week today with a Monday. Big thanks to Michael Trakos and Darren Bombing. Don't forget to check out Bombing's YouTube channel at Bonfire Sports for his daily training camp updates. And we'll look forward to he and Hammer getting going with CFL 360 in a couple weeks before the season begins. Uh, we'll have another big show tomorrow, folks. Thanks again for joining us today. Thanks to all the sponsors and most importantly to all of you for making Winnipeg Sports Talk a part of your day. Have a great night. Enjoy the home run derby. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, my God. Oh! 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 Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.